John 6, 16 to 24. Jesus walks on water. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. I'm sure you have noticed that British society, in British society, we are besotted with the time. In a few moments, we will be having tea time. The English language has a plethora of phrases that relate to time. We're ahead of one's time, if we're thinking ahead. Too advanced, behind the times. There's a race against time. Time is ripe. But I think a phrase that is ripe today is, do you remember the time? Do you remember the time when? One of our purposes for being here today is so that we can say, do you remember the time when? And it's okay to share that. Our society doesn't like us to stop and spend time thinking about these times. But for a period of time this afternoon, we can. As Kay just read in the passage from John's Gospel, did you notice the references to time? Of course, in every story, there needs to be references to time to make a link with reality. But I believe the Apostle John mentions time in order that we are encouraged to look beyond Greenwich Mean Time and look into eternity. John's Gospel is all about moving from time into eternity. Because John's Gospel is about the King of Eternity stepping into and living in time and what that looks like. John's story starts in the evening, after a busy day for Jesus. It says, when evening came. And then John says, it was already dark. In the story, for some reason, the disciples didn't question the element of risk in going across a lake at this time of night, in the dark, 
and on a lake when well-known storms often came up at a sudden notice. It did not seem to concern them at the time. Neither, did the, neither was it that the absence of Jesus seemed to be an issue as he went to pray and sent them on his journey. The travel of four miles in stormy conditions and at almost dawn, John is making the point that the disciples had gone beyond the point of return and they were in a bad situation. With little energy remaining to battle against the elements in order to attempt to reach safety in whatever direction that might lay. What a combination of events. Late in time, in the dark, far from home, no way back. That is frightening. But it was at that actual moment when John describes they saw Jesus. And he was approaching the boat, walking on the water. All the Gospels agree to their reactions. The disciples were terrified. And yet Jesus' words bring immediate response, reassurance into the situation. It is I. Don't be afraid. When someone so dear to us passes away and we have experienced the death of a loved one, we are suddenly faced with the reality that time had run out for that person. And we find that very difficult to comprehend. As time when we are living seems endless and infinite. But faced with time ceasing for a person seems so shocking, unexpected and unknown. We are in the dark and we feel unsafe. So may I raise two points that John raises from his passage. Firstly, that God works the night shift. I believe this is the reason why John tells us of this incident happening at night, or at least in the very late hours of the day, or even the early hours of the morning. There are many times as a chaplain I have been called to loved one's sides, and sat through the watches as the loved ones have sat through the watches of the night with their loved ones as their lives have come to their end. You can see the tiredness on their faces, the weariness, the expectation that the worst is about to happen, and that is extremely draining. Also, having lost a loved one, it is often at the night times that the most lonely feelings come about. Certainly through the evening and the early hours of the morning. But John wants us to remember Psalm 121, where he says, He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He will watch over your life, and the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. As Stephen Bishop says, God works the night shift as well as the day shift. And secondly, 
Let us lift our eyes from time into eternity. Did you notice that John picks up one little word regarding time? Immediately. Immediately they reached the shore. It indicates that there was no time lapse between Jesus getting into the disciples' boat and everyone arriving at their destination in the shore. This just could have been a perception. But I think John is reminding us that humanity measures day and night using the light of the sun and the moon. Yet God created these lights for humanity to divide day and night. And for days and years, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. God does not need the lights of the firmament of the heaven to divide the day and night and for days and years. And he wants us and your loved ones to be with him in that eternity, outside of Greenwich Mean Time. We know that time will run out for us all. But John wants us to look beyond the here and now to an eternity where God's dwelling place will be among the people and we will dwell with him and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their gods. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain. And he who's seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. The much-loved author, Jennifer Rees Larkin, sadly passed away last month. Before she died, she did an interview with J. John about her hope for eternity and how she saw eternity. And I'd like to play that video for you now. It just lasts three and a half minutes. Yes. Very different. Tell us about that. Well, I recently discovered that I have lung cancer, which is pretty mean, seeing I never smoked. Yeah. But it was quite a shock, you know? Of course, I know that, that Jesus could heal me. I mean, I know it better than most people would know. I could. But I have that conviction that this is the time when he wants me home. And this is not the right time for me to ask that question. And I've suddenly realized that life is all about not down here at all. Life's all about the next bit the gorgeous bit. Jesus talked a lot about that gorgeous bit and it's going to be beautiful and simply I can't wait. I, I'm not afraid of death, I think because years ago when I was first very ill with encephalitis, I had a, a near-death experience. It's changed everything. I was very, very ill in hospital. All the drips and drains and bleepy machines all around my cot, because in a cot, and my minister for my church came to pray for me. I could see him through the cot bars. And as he prayed, I just felt I was lifting off the bed. It was like there was a, a tunnel in the wall in front of me, and I was lifting up and out. And I wasn't scared. It was beautiful. 
It was painless, it was lovely. I left all the pain behind on that bed. And I thought, I'm going to see the Lord. I know what he'll look like. And I did get there. I got to a beautiful place. I don't think I felt I was inside. I was sort of on the threshold. The colours, I can't describe. There are no words in any language to describe the colours and the peace of it, the loveliness of it. And I felt that he was asking me, do you want to come in or go back? Of course I wanted to come in. It was beautiful. But then I seemed to see my six children, only little, way back in the dark down there, and my husband. I thought, I must go back. So he let me come back, said it would be tough. And by gum it has been. But I came back into the bed, and all the bleepers were bleeping, and nurses running around, and doctors, and horrible things. And he was in the pain again. How I have regretted that decision ever since. But I know I'm not going to be scared the next time. And I would love to say to anyone who's actually facing death now, or you've lost somebody, or you're going to lose someone, and you're frightened about it, don't be. Actually, dying is delightful. And it's real. Heaven is real. And it's so beautiful, you can't even describe it. I can't wait to get there. Don't be frightened. You're okay. If you know him, if you've given your life over to him, and he's taken away the things that you regret, you'll be there, and I'll see you there. God bless you. So as you take today to remember and reflect on your life with your loved one, now no longer with you, look beyond this time. Just as Jennifer Rees Larkin said, and in John's Gospel it says too, let us look with eyes of faith into our future and hope and eternity. And in the meantime, be assured, God works the night shifts. <laughs>